It's just like Metroid. You go left to get a ball. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Parrish would love this game. <laughs> no, he wouldn't. Never because played, he can't get there's it. no official cart. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Welcome to the Super Nintendo Exploration Squad podcast, episode 37, a select button, select button, why did I pronounce it like that? A select button Kaiden podcast. This is an emergency session. I haven't put up a poll for the next game yet because we're recording a different game. We're talking about the recently rediscovered and released prototype Atmosphere. We called it an emergency session because we just had to talk about this. Um, normally we would select three games at random and you'd get to vote on them though. Um, but we're going to discuss Atmosphere using the four standardized metrics for scoring a video game, which of course are Vanity, Gun, Investigation, and Revelation. Uh, I am your esteemed host and worthless maggot, Vasilkania, and today I am joined by... Uh, I am Cassie Mew, and uh, I just want to uh, tell everyone to turn the volume up and the likes down, because things are going to get spooky in here. Who's turn next? Stand up, maggot! I am Talpa! <laughs> Can you survive the Pepsi E Nightmare Challenge? I'm Automatic Tiger! Welcome to the other side! I'm one second before. <laughs> Any maggot with a shrug must put the shrug in a black hole! Hole! Hands up! <laughs> this is all gonna make a lot more sense very soon, I promise. <laughs> um, Alright, so Atmosphere is a prototype game. It was recently discovered by a group called The Hidden Palace, uh, specifically by somebody who goes by DRX, or is that Dr. X? I don't know! Um, this specific prototype is from July 12th, 1994, which is the most specific I've ever been able to be about a release date. Like, that's incredible. Uh, the prototype itself was released to the internet on April 7th, 2019. So just a few days ago from our perspective. Uh, it's based on a VHS board game. Those are a real thing called oh, Nightmare. Oh, go ahead. A VHS board game franchise. Oh, yeah. There's a lot. I mean... This we could make a whole podcast about this. I swear to God, like a separate branching podcast about the Nightmare and Atmosphere series of board games. There's like seven or nine or something like that. Um, this this one was sort of based on. I think it was kind of based on the original, but also a, a rebooted ish version that was coming out. That came out like a little less than a year later. I think they had some inside info on that, so it's it's a little bit of a weird case. But in any case, um, so it's based on this VHS board game, and I do want to note that the name is Atmosphere Fear, like scary. Oh no! All right. Uh, <laughs> so the board game, and I'm going to tell you about this, even though it's not the video game because it's it's informative. The board game is kind of like Parcheesi with about 78 extra rules layered on that don't make any sense. Uh, but in addition to that, there's also a video, a VHS that you put into your, you know, VHS player, and you just play it. And it's 60 minutes long, and it features 
a lot of silence or weird music, but also somebody named the gatekeeper who will just pop up and say something like, stop, who's next? Uh, you lose a turn. <laughs> and other weird shit like that. Sometimes he'll reward people. Sometimes he'll penalize them. Sometimes he like changes the rules or something. I, don't, I wasn't paying that much attention. Um, so how do you make a video game out of that, right? Like this was an exceedingly popular uh, board game in the 90s when it was released, especially in Australia, which is where it came from. So I think they were, you know, this was after four Nightmare games had already been released was when this this uh, prototype was built. So how do you make a game out of it? Well, what they chose to do is make a platformer based on the six characters in the board game. So they're, each character is a level, but you play as this very 90s backwards cap, backwards baseball cap, remote laser kid. Um, and then the gatekeeper randomly interrupts and changes the rules, gives you penalties, makes you play mini games and other weird crap. So, you know, kind of, it kind of works. Um, so yeah, so we scheduled just sent me back to the beginning of the level. <laughs> oh, there's something. Okay. So I asked everybody to play an hour of atmosphere, but how long did you play and about how far did you get? Uh, Tigress and I, we play together. We play... Uh, it's hard to say because the timer in this game goes up really fast. It counts up to an hour, but it it gets to that hour within 10 minutes. So it could have been four hours. It could have been 45 minutes. I'm not sure. I, I feel like between the two of us, we played for an hour, hour and a half. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I also played um, some more uh, just today. I played through the entire uh, club level, which is amazing. And also apparently based on the music video, which a lot of the elements of this game is based on a music video for the VHS board game, which is wild to me. Yeah, we're going to have a lot to go over in uh, investigation. Like, Lots and lots and lots. <laughs> so so many things. But how about you, Tolpa? How much did you play this game? I played for about an hour. I am still playing because everyone was talking about the club level, and I decided I had to go clubbing as well. Maggots! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, that maggot is the catchphrase of the gatekeeper, which is why I keep shouting it in a stupid voice. I'm going to hurt my voice during this podcast, and then I'm going to regret all of my decisions. I, on the other hand, will be very pleased, regardless of whether or not you hurt your voice. <laughs> I have a cold, so I've got to limit the amount of gatekeeper impression I do. But I think I got the cold just from watching the gatekeeper. <laughs> How much did you play this game, though? Oh, I played this game for, I don't know, 45 minutes to an hour. Uh, I tried every stage, and um, the club just won me over immediately. You know, the club was the one stage I tried to beat. Unfortunately, I did not make it all the way through, but it is beautiful. Uh, but I tried every other stage, so that's about as much as I played. Yeah, and I, I played, let's see, I played about 45 minutes on my own. And then I streamed it for about another two hours. So, you know, close to three hours. Still only beat one of the six levels. I mean, it's it's very difficult in parts. Um, so, yeah, man, that's that's what I did. I don't really know how 
long I played, I'm sick again. I have no sense of time at the best of anything. I played some levels, you know, got the feel of things, got banished from them eventually when the timer ran down. It was something. It was an experience. I'm a maggot. <laughs> um, also worth noting that as a group, we uh, streamed together um, footage, the entire footage from the first Nightmare board game VHS tape, which is on YouTube, and all the footage from one of the other ones in the series, and from the DVD, which is the most recent one. There's a DVD edition. Um, they're all different uh, and about equally low budget and terrible. And then we watched a bunch of other VHS board game tapes. And uh, yeah, it's a good time if you ever want to do that. It's a good uh, rabbit hole to jump down. Yeah, I was there for the first, the, the, the Nightmare 4 or whatever. I think the fifth Nightmare game. So that was the first one we, we listened to. And then I also watched that Dragon Strike video. That was fucked up. <laughs> I hated that. <laughs> I love uh, Dragon Strike. That was really weird anyway uh yeah so we have some idea of how the board game actually plays which is important i do think that as far as adaptations of board games go this is an extremely creative one and it is also kind of important to know how the original game played especially considering this is a podcast therefore the, or a podcast fuck a prototype um so there's no manual there's really some missing features um there's no help text so you know it's it's a bit like it's important to know how certain things work. But um, let's get into our very first topic, which uh, I have listed as gun. But then earlier I said vanity. So let's do vanity first. <laughs> so we'll, we'll get into our first topic, which is, of course, vanity. Um, this game is unfinished, and yet, it feels very finished for the most part. The graphics, the animations all seem like they're there, um, the graphics are polished, there's certain graphical effects, like in one of the levels when you go up to the dark roofs, your, your sprite becomes dark as well, uh, in like this cool fading effect. Um, there's tons of stuff going on graphically here, but what did we think about the, the vanity of this game in general? This... To me, this felt like the kind of game that a lot of demo scene programmers make. You know, like the people who push game consoles just to make them look cool. And they'll often make games that are kind of simplistic but have a lot of really neat graphical effects. Because almost every level in this had at least one really cool graphical effect unique to that level. Uh, yeah, I think it looks amazing. It's just... It's a shame how... Hmm. That's for later. But, yeah, we can talk about yeah, what's shaking the, later. The the uh, there's a lot of frames. It's one of those games. There's lots and lots of frames packed in. So much animation. I was a little surprised to see all the animation. Where am I? Yeah. yeah, there's a, a lot of over-animation going on here in a way that's pretty nice. Very, very luscious graphics. Uh, it makes me think of Amiga games. And uh, 
I think this might have also been uh, in development for the Amiga at the same time. It would make a lot of sense because there's also like a million power-ups that are completely unclear what they do that all have all are like glowing and bobbing around in the air, just like every Amiga game ever had. I think the <laughs> I thing don't that... think this is Amiga like at all. I I agree. I think this is a little Euro-y feeling, but this doesn't feel much like an Amiga game. This feels like a late era Super Nintendo game. The thing that it This feels like Genesis game to me. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. Yeah, the thing that it um, reminded me of, or what it brought to mind both mechanically and visually, was a sort of uh, midpoint between a cinematic platformer like a Prince of Persia or a flashback and you know, a more traditional platformer, like, uh, let's take that level of granular animation and let's make, try to make it work with, like, Sonic the Hedgehog moveset. He even has a toe-tapping animation, idle animation like Sonic. Yeah, like, I, oh, go ahead, Cassie. Oh, I was just going to agree with Shrug. I really like how uh, the main character kind of looks and moves because it reminds me of Singamage platformers and it's like not... It's still... Well, I'll go, get into how it controls later, but um, how it looks is... Again, I'm surprised that a prototype had this much like put into its graphics before it even came out. Yeah, like yeah, it, it. I think that that halfway between a cinematic platform and a performer and a traditional platformer is very on point as far as these sort of overwrought animations, but they're not as impactful on your actual movement and gameplay. So it's it's pretty interesting. Um, and yeah, this game was barely talked about there before the prototype came out as far as i in my brief research there were like no pictures of it there were a couple of write-ups of maybe it's gonna happen we have some word about it and that's it and somehow they produced an almost complete game almost completely under the radar um so yeah the, it, it is surprising and you've got each of the levels, so there's six levels, each based on one of the characters from the board game. Each of the levels is completely different in terms of your theme of the level and all of the enemies. I don't think, other than the egg bastards, <laughs> I didn't didn't see any shared enemies. And the tile sets for the levels. Like, I, I'm trying to think if I could, if any of the tile sets just repeated themselves, and I don't think any of the tile sets did repeat. I think there might have been some sharing between the medieval level and then the one that's in the uh, forest with all the like uh, revolutionary war fuckers or civil war fuckers. Um, there might have been some sharing there, but even that, I'm not sure. So yeah, it's, like a tree or something, but like yeah, like a tree, exactly, like a, maybe a tree. Like they, there's a, there's they have all the graphics in this game. <laughs> um, there's music too. Most of the levels have music. Two of them don't. I think just two. Um, but they have atmospheric sound effects. So I don't know if those were going to get music or if they purposefully did not have music. Um, it's unclear. And that's going to come up quite a bit, I think, with this being a prototype. It's unclear what's purposeful and what was unfinished or would have been changed in the final product. But a lot of music, good music. Um, Ramona was saying that this was composed by the same guy who did 
the music for oh god what's it called it's that role-playing game where you play a cyberpunk person and it's on the super nintendo what the shadow fuck? run shadow run, shadow yeah, run. Yeah, same developer same developer okay same develop same developer okay so probably the same composer uh, but it's really really good um i'm gonna have to rip the music myself uh so hopefully the quality is okay but i'll, I'll be playing it throughout the podcast because it's it's pretty fucking it's, good. it's really good especially in like uh the dance level yes the club music just blew me away i was automatically just like moving to the beat the moment it started up to be honest it's just mm, so good yeah, it's like pure 90s techno. Like, it is the kind of stuff you would hear in a club around that time, but Super Nintendified. Um, but I wanted to talk about the uh, atmospheric soundscape for the woods level, which is all like, it essentially sounds like a poorly digitized uh, field recording of a swamp. Like, you hear frogs, you hear, like, uh, I think a dog howling and uh, a lot of uh, cicada-type noises, uh, the wind... But it's interesting because it is super densely layered. Like all these sound effects that I just listed are like all happening at exactly the same time layered over each other. And everything seems just a little bit too fast. Like the speed recording is, I mean, the field recording is sped up a little bit. Uh, So it's like this weird, like extremely dense, like bit crushed version of a field recording. It it reminds me, I can't think of many games on the Super Nintendo or even of this era at all that had that type of atmospheric, like, field recording style uh, sound. This does make me think, the fact, yeah, you're, you have a really good point. There's so many layers of it that makes me think there, there couldn't have been music. There's not enough channels left to play any music. <laughs> um, but it reminds me of Secret of Evermore, because that game is packed with these interesting non-musical background sounds and that's the only other super nintendo game that i can think of that does that to any any real extent so it's, it's interesting and the main character totally looks like the main character <laughs> yeah you're right backwards, backwards baseball cap and like sport jacket that's like every third mid yeah he's the kid chameleon of ever it was the 90s man <laughs> Yeah, I dressed like that in the nineties. No, I didn't. Kid, I wasn't Kid really Chameleon that. had a leather or denim jacket and like a cool spiky hairdo and shades. Look, you, if you totally put, different kind of cool kid. <laughs> if you put red and blue goggles on this guy, he would fit perfectly in Zombies Ate My Neighbors. Well, I guess that kid had a better hair though. Yeah. Oh, he's he's like the Burger King Kids Club of uh, characters. <gasps> he's yes. He's Kid Vid. He does look like Kid Vid. That's really good. That's really good he, shit. This is a good poll. The, the dark reboot of Kid Vid. <laughs> the thing is, uh, you know, this is an audio medium, so those listening at home can't tell, but we're all sitting around a big round table, and we're all wearing blue jeans, backwards baseball caps, a Marty McFly vest, and uh, uh, like one of those sports jackets. Uh, that We're all dressed like this right now. Yeah. Yeah. We're at King Yangi's convincing, basically. Yeah. I have one of those uh, slap bracelet things that were just a piece of fucking cheap pot metal that was bent into a uh, little, little trough. And so you could bend it straight and it would kind of snap into place and 
and you'd hit your and it was put in a fabric sleeve and you'd hit yourself with it. You'd hit yourself with it and it would sting and you would try to act like it didn't sting because you didn't want the other little boys to see that you felt pain because toxic masculinity it starts at a very early age. Slap bracelets. Hey, we're gonna we gonna wrap this up soon. I got some Mortal Kombat to play. <laughs> I got <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> just, just building the just building the, the theater of the mind for the audience. <laughs> it, okay, uh, the cheat codes to turn on all the blood in Mortal Kombat. There's I a need cheat help. code. <laughs> None of that green blood for me. Yeah, I need the real blood. I don't need green blood. Look, I got a Genesis. I don't know what y'all y'all got, but I got the Genesis, and Get I don't off need a cheat podcast. <laughs> Fuck off, Genesis. Genesis, yeah. don't what Nintendo do. <laughs> You're Fuck. just sad that you don't have a CD player or blast processing. Process your blast? Uh, okay, never mind. Um, you and your can't. Sega Magic Drive should get out of here. <laughs> I'm extremely sad that I can't take my Genesis and stack it on top of a different Genesis that it is a CD and then take another <laughs> more powerful Genesis and stick it inside my Genesis docking with my Genesis in the earliest sexual experience I would ever have. Oh, God. <laughs> Thus having a tier of three different three different Genesis. And then that's and then you, three. That's three. That's two more than you can ever have with a Super Nintendo Entertainment System. And then I can take all three of those and put them into a dumpster. <laughs> no, because... no, never. And then I would take Sonic and Knuckles and stick it inside the 32X. <laughs> and then I would take Sonic 3 and stick it inside Sonic and Knuckles. And there is a five pieces of powerful plastic. So many circuit boards stacked high. I'll never have that. Not with Super Nintendo. Stop! You! You're moving too fast! Go back to the beginning of the podcast! <laughs>
I thought something was wrong. And we'll get into why this game can make you feel like that. Like, oh no, something's wrong with my character. What should I do? But uh, that was a little weird, but I really liked it. Um, the club level, like, flashes different colors. Seizure warning. It's like, swear to God, it's kind of a bit and much. <laughs> moving around through the flashing colored club light, you have spotlights where you see fucking the normal sprites. It's crazy. Yeah. Oh, I didn't normally know that. You would normally need a 32X to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The the club level especially has a lot of really charming touches. There's like monster barkeepers. There's a a bouncer who will throw you through the air. There's a bonus stage where you've got these skeletons drinking at a table and like these four skulls between them. Like it's very charming background art that... Uh, and then let's not even start talking about the foreground art. You've got fucking dancing zombies. There's I, I sent a picture of one of the zombies has like a punk mohawk and a sword <laughs> and was attacking me. Like there's all sorts of weird shit going on, especially in that one. What the bouncer looks like the uh, the heavy set Cenobite from Hellraiser. <laughs> Maybe that was the inspiration. What I really like about the um, enemy zombies, too, is that they kind of just do their own thing until you start attacking them. Like, even the sword guys will not hurt you, and the gun guys, you can kind of... I mean, I'm sorry, sword zombies and gun zombies who are just kind of dancing and, like, swinging their swords around and firing guns off just to party, basically. The crouching zombies will never attack you. They just hang out on the floor and wave their hands in the air like they just don't care. And then you execute them. Jesus Christ. In cold blood. Because <laughs> jumping true, can though. be a little awkward. One must wonder about the subtext of all of this. You are going into a club owned by a black god and murdering everyone inside it. While paying off all the bouncers. It's pretty cool. (laughs) You mean horribly racist? Yeah, that's what I meant. (laughs) Um, Fuck, there was something I was going to say about this level, though. Oh, oh, that's what I was going to say. You reminded me because you were talking about executing (laughs) crouched to dancing zombies. Um, This game, you have a little gun that kind of looks like a TV remote, and it shoots a laser about four feet in front of you. Uh, That's one thing I think that was really poor about this game, and it shares it with many like sort of B-level platformers with guns at the time, is that there's absolutely no feedback for when you hit an enemy other than your bullet disappears, but the range is so short that it's really impossible to tell when you've hit something because there's very rarely even a sound. Uh, They never react. I didn't see a single enemy react. And most of them take multiple hits. The only thing that took one hit that I ever saw was the uh, the bats. I think maybe the dancing zombies only take one hit, but I think the the crouched dancing zombies take one hit. So, yeah, there you go. But most of the time you didn't get a lot of feedback from shooting things. It was just weird. I think it was probably a uh, subtext to kind of talk about how the gun just feel like it uh, didn't really belong in the game at all because there are no guns in any of the rest of the atmosphere franchise. So maybe, you know, it's the game ignoring the gun until finally it just lets you kill something. 
Maybe, well, you know, there's no, there's none in the official rules, but I'm sure there were house rules that allowed for, um, but yeah, no, it, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I do think this game is very, for me, was very low on the subtext, but I was also just trying to play it. I was really engaged with it. And I do think that the graphics and the music really helped to engage with that, despite the fact that there was no feedback for whatever you did. But it did feel like I was intruding a bit on this world. A lot of the enemies, they just ignore you unless you fire at them. Yeah, there's like a strange amount of hangoutitude for a game that times you as aggressively as this one does because there's a lot of stuff in the levels that are just like you feel like you could just hang out and and like enjoy and watch the backgrounds and stuff like uh my favorite was in the pyramids level and tulpa just posted a screenshot of this there's a part right where you start where uh there's a little bar inside the pyramid and there are um there's a drunk mummy just huddled over the bar in the corner by himself. Uh, there's two like jolly Anubises that are just drinking and chatting to each other. And there's like a Horus uh, guy who's tending the bar and they're all animated and going through little loops. Uh, and there's a little sign above it that says uh, S E T and then a hieroglyph. I, I don't know what that part means. I'm curious Set. about that. Set is an Egyptian God. Oh, okay. Well, th- there you go. But yeah, very, very cool background stuff that like is, as far as I saw, only in that one spot. Totally unnecessary, but just like a wonderful, enjoyable detail. And yeah, it's next to a little neon sign with a with a little cocktail drink that says cafe. Yeah, like they, it's so bizarre and wonderful. And I did want to spend more time here, but the game literally does not let you do that, which again, we'll get into that too. But um, yeah, there's asshole kid in monster world. Asshole kid in monster. Yeah, this kid's an asshole. You can play him as not an asshole, I guess, if you just run through things. <laughs> Perhaps you are the real monster. Yes. Well, maybe it's. Hmm. God is the real monster for creating being... this scenario. Yeah, you're being forced through the to jump through these hoops by a weird frog voice taskmaster that. Hovers above you in the air, and if you demands of you, setting timers, he forces you to make terrible decisions just by putting a timer on things. It takes so little to motivate a player to murder. Spec ops, the line colon atmosphere. Atmosphere is slowly about negging the player in order to get them to do whatever it is that the strange Eastern European pervert in the hood wants you to do. Can we talk a little bit about the map screen? Yeah, the map screen is cool because it's like this really dark blue little island looking thing. And the uh, crypt keeper, the gatekeeper is there the whole time hovering over it. And when you finish a level, uh, he zaps it with his eyeballs and it collapses into a crater. So that's a thing. Also, can we talk about how the gatekeeper is just presenting in this game himself? Like, he's really well-drawn Sprite and has... It's very articulate for a for a SNES game. Yeah. yeah, he talks a lot. There's a lot of digitized speech in this that is like reasonably reproduced. 
and reasonably lip synced. I think I wasn't paying enough attention because I was always so it, pissed. Yeah, I mean, I don't think it like directly captured every mouth mouth movement like realistically, but it's definitely synced with the mouth. It's not bad. What did you want to say about the map, Shrug? I was just wanted to make sure we touched on it and how you gotcha. uh, you know, fucking. It's basically on. It's a fenced off mesa with a bunch of. It's like a Mario World map, except there's only so many places to go on it. It's totally isolated and a sea of undulating blue. It has that wavery field effect that they loved to do on the Super NES. It was probably in some like piece of middleware. Mode 4. Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's just this big blue face in a hood staring over you. Do his eyes follow you as you walk around? I can't remember. The eyes seem to be vacant. Ah, okay, just like mine. Got it. Okay. So oh, I wait, just wait, wait. Something. They're following. Oh, they do go follow ahead. you. They follow they you. They do follow you. Oh, that they follow you. They just kind of. There's not. There's a slight glowing quality to the eyes that goes back and forth. There's animation. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. A giant spooky head that watches you, and then it hectors you through all the levels. <laughs> Um, I just realized that this game, if you had told me that this game was a just not related to a video board game at all, but rather was a direct sequel to the NES Monster Party, I would believe you. <gasps> yeah, it has that very arcane feeling to it. Like when you don't have any context to it, it's extremely arcane and strange and just like, here's some shit. Yeah, because like, that's one of the things that we'll get into mechanically, but like visually and audio wise, the gatekeeper interrupts at the drop of a hat and it stops the music and he shouts at you and it's just full screen. It's there's, there's no transition It's just right there in your face. And it's not particularly scary, but it does piss me off extremely, which I think is probably the point. Um, so it's very mystifying if you don't know what the hell is going on. But if you do, like, it's exactly how it works in the board game, and that's the weirdest thing about this. Yeah, like, when I talked about this being, it's not faithful, but it's it's creatively interpreted to, for a video game. Like, it's it's interesting. But um, I think... Oh, go ahead, Shrug. I just want to note, I'm sorry to interrupt, but while it's... I forget things so quickly. On the, like, creepy medieval-ish town... When you shoot the guy, it is only implemented for this one enemy, but the guy that has a pouch full of stones that he throws at you, when you shoot him, he makes a sort of weird, almost sub-vocal groaning noise, like, so, uh, obviously, feedback was on somebody's mind. Maybe it's just something that they never implemented before. I development. And I think not a hundred percent, I think that's the same sound as when you get hurt, but slowed down. So it may not have even have been the final sound. Um not a hundred percent on that, but that's what it sounded like to me. Uh I also I'm gonna say relate it to that. 
Um, the rocks that the guy throws at you, the enemy throws at you, kind of bounces off of you. It has its own physics, which I thought was in interesting. It also bounces off the ground as well. Yeah, it does yeah. a little skitter on the ground after it falls. It's Some of these animations are crazy detailed. Yeah, like, I mean, okay, in the pyramid level, I think it's Anubis, I don't know, but the weird dog head fucker who comes out of the walls um, has a beautiful transition from, like, stone to fully colored. Like, little things like that come up everywhere. Um, the stone skittering on the ground is wonderful, too, because they, they were smart enough to make it so that once it hits the ground, it doesn't hurt you, uh, but it still has that little additional animation. So it's pretty interesting. Um, but I think I think I'd like to get into this mechanically. Um, but any last vanity thoughts before we move on? I think we're good. All right. So we're going to move on to our next topic, which is, of course, gun. Uh, this game has a gun. Uh, none of the enemies... No, some of the enemies have guns. Uh, most of them stab you with their guns instead of shoot you. But what did we think? Okay, you know what? I'm not even going to let anybody talk. I want to really dig into... <laughs> I'm going to let you talk in a minute, but I want to really set the scene for this. So the game lets you choose any level you want. There are six levels. You can just start them at random, whatever you want. The... You platform through, you try to get to the end, and fight, presumably, a boss. I only saw one boss. I don't know if there are others. Um, it has a timer that counts up, just like the board game, and once it gets to 60 quote-unquote minutes, then it's game over, and you're kicked out of the level, which is really important, because when you die, you're sent back to the beginning of the level, but any enemies that you killed, most of the enemies that you killed, are dead forever. So that can be really, really important strategically to know when to push on even though you've died, or when to perhaps restart the level because you don't have enough time. Additionally, any of the pickups that you picked up are also permanently gone. So if you picked up that full health, it's not going to be there on your next run. So there's some weird things going on there. Uh somewhat randomly, it's definitely not totally random, uh, but somewhat randomly, <clears throat> the gatekeeper will pop up and say, stop! Feeling weak, maggot? Or worm? Not maggot in this game. Uh, and then he'll reduce your health. Or he'll send you into a black hole, and he'll say something else and send you to a black hole, or a bonus game, or like a bonus game that can kill you. Like, all these different things will happen. Um, that's really random. And then once you beat a level, it blows it up. There's no end game because one of the levels is incomplete, so there's no known way to complete that. I don't know what happens after you beat all six levels, and as far as I can tell, nobody knows. <laughs> um, so that's sort of the setup for this game. I really wanted to make that clear because it's, it is really weird. Oh, one other little mechanic that can be really important. When you die, the timer is set back five minutes, so you gain five minutes. But by default, you have 99 lives. So occasionally it's worth clearing out a bunch of the enemies and then, oops, I died. 
and then dying on purpose to get the timer set back a few minutes uh, so that you have more time to get to the end of the level before it kicks you out. So uh, that's just a note. But uh, yeah, what do we think of the gun in this game? I would like to make a quick note. It's not actual minutes. It's hypothetical abstractions of minutes. Thank you. Yes, I didn't. Yeah, I think that each minute is about 15 seconds. Um, That's my guess, which would make six minutes about, what, nine minutes or something like that? A minute and a half? Well, I'm sorry, 60 minutes. Sorry, I meant 60 minutes would be nine minutes. Oh, about 15 minutes. 15? Okay, cool. Whatever. Wait, no, I'm bad at math. I'm a liar. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, but it shows a full-on timer with minutes and seconds that really looks like it's going to be counting down in real time. But in reality, yeah, it's like, you know, three or four or whatever number times faster than uh, real lifetime. And um, when I was playing, I was thinking, uh, is that going faster or am I experiencing Gun Force-style time dilation again? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just made a cheat game to uh, freeze the clock if anyone wants that. Uh, oh, nice. This further. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, I actually made a cheat code for infinite health and then didn't end up using it because I was actually compelled by this game. <laughs> so it's it's interesting. I, I think infinite health would have actually made this harder in some ways. Yeah, I... Um... I managed to beat one level. It was the club level. And I only managed to beat that by losing like 25 lives. Because I would just stand there and and let myself die and get like 5 minutes back. Because there's no way you can clear that whole level within the time limit that it gives you. Now did... did I don't remember if the club had these or if they worked. I know the pyramid had these. Did y'all figure out the, the checkpoints? Yes. yes yeah yeah okay good because i think so the level that i became obsessed with completing was i wrote it down hold on uh the chantrain domain i don't know whatever it's the medieval one um that one has absolutely no checkpoints and it's fucking infuriating i think you could finish the level legitimately from start to finish within the time limit but um it's tricky and it, there are a couple of like what Dark Souls lingo would call an Estus tax. There are a couple of spots where you literally cannot avoid getting hit as far as I can tell. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that one pissed me off. But the pyramid had checkpoints and the checkpoints are actually these orbs that come up from the ground when you get to them and they're held by this creepy hand. But they don't automatically work. You have to stop and shoot them a few times. <laughs> so that's weird. Uh, I just timed it. Every minute is 10 seconds. Nice. Okay, so that means that you have six minutes. Uh, but you can pick up timers that give you five minutes back. I think it's five. I think the other thing, too, is um, the level layouts as well is uh, very, at least the club layout was very uh, labyrinthine, like very maze-like. Um Especially since you had to like go one way to collect a coin and then come back and get to a bouncer to give you a coin so that they can let you through or else they throw you out. And yeah, it's, um, I just can't imagine being back within six minutes. And a lot yeah. of the off brand crypt keepers, uh, 
a lot of his thing is throwing up obstacles in front of you. Um, two of the things that happened to me in different levels is, uh, in one, he said, asked me if I was going somewhere and then some sort of ghost appeared. It was like a disembodied spirit that looked kind of like a cloud and it would swap back and forth between what side of my, the left and right side of the screen and it would blow on me. So I would have to deal with the wind, which would obviously screw up the already kind of slippery platforming. Which level uh, was that? Sorry, I missed it. Uh, the toy one. That's the only place that happened to me as well, which makes me think it's definitely not random, but it's Yeah, it happened close. to me there too. I think that all these things are pre-programmed. You get to a certain point and that happens. Yeah, so and the Baron the in the Baron Samedi's one, he uh sent me I was sent back to the beginning of the level and there is suddenly a new bouncer. They drop a new coin into your um inventory so that you can pay him but there's another bouncer in the middle of a crowd suddenly extremely crowded dance floor full of zombies and it's crowded uh and frequently and every time you get thrown off of it they respawn so suddenly uh it's very awkward to pay the bouncer because he's surrounded by zombies and you have to like rapidly switch back and forth between your gun and the coin yeah like that's a, a unique mechanic to that that level is that you have to find this game's fucking weird so there i found mm, one power up that gave me five ammo for it so you can switch weapons no two there were two power ups each of them gave me five ammo so one of them was a wolf which i found in helen's toy world uh, and it was basically a bomb. It cleared everything on the screen. But the animation was you turn into Teen Wolf, howl, but there was no sound for it, and then everything dies. That's fun. The other one was a bullet, so it was basically like your gun, but it shot farther. I think maybe it wasn't five. It might have been ten, but I, I fought the wolf at the end of the Gavodens Forest, whatever. Um, but then the coins also, so in, in Samidi's Club, you find coins and you pay bouncers. But to do that, you have to switch away from your gun, hit the button to fire your gun, which sort of does this very slow, oh, here's a thing I have in my pocket animation. You have to be really close to the bouncer to do it. And if you get too close, he throws you anyway. So it's a whole thing. Um, those are the only power-ups I found that actually did anything uh, in terms of like giving me weapons did anybody else encounter any other weapons um you can also get did you mention the gun in the woods you can get a bullet yeah that, yeah yeah okay um but so did this happen to anyone else or were my controls not properly bound to my controller because uh i noticed that um whenever i jumped it would change my weapon also Huh. No, that didn't happen to me. Yeah, now. that did not happen yeah. to me on on actual uh, hardware. Now, I guess I just had it set up wrong. But um, speaking on a like a level of like harmony in this game, I guess uh, <laughs> the the game design is like so such a dead end design. Like the idea of like you need to get through this level in a short amount of time as possible before the timer runs out, and so all the challenge in the game is going to be 
involved with uh, sending you down the wrong path or giving you impossible mazes or doing annoying things to slow you down. Like, it's just the worst design. Like, I hate it as a premise for a game. It's just a recipe for, like, throwing up as many, like, irritating and unfun roadblocks at you as possible. So... I'm going to defend that, not because I think that's good game design, but because it is the exact kind of pain-in-the-ass game design the original board game used. Because the original board game had these things that are supposed to function as random things, but are pre-configured because it's a VHS and it can only go one goddamn way. (laughs) Always going to go the same way. And that seems to be how this game works, although it has a little bit more randomization than that. But that's how the board game is if you're actually playing it. It is just literally rolling dice, walking over a board, and periodically the game says, stop having fun, just slow down, which is the worst mechanic in any board game, and that's the only mechanic the actual board game has. I want to say that if you're interested enough in this to, to like, look it up, you owe it to yourself to watch the video for... I, I think it's the fifth game. It's the one that involves Soul Rangers. It has all the rules before the actual video starts. It is 10 minutes of rules. The guy is nonstop talking like a Micro Machines commercial. And it is absolutely impossible to follow. So not only is this Parcheesi, it's essentially Parcheesi. It has so many layers of bizarre rules on top of it that without some asshole interrupting you every three to four minutes, it would be very difficult to actually grasp. Like, I could not follow this at all. Um, this game reflects that in a way, <laughs> um, which is is really interesting. I actually really like the design of this game for certain levels um, because I do think that the trade-off between time, because what you're trading off is time, or damage, typically, because I found that the levels generally are actually relatively linear. Um, it's just sometimes there's a couple of branches and maybe one of them's a dead end, but it really typically gets you back on the on the main path very quickly. Um, what you're trading in is damage. So I can just run past this fucker and probably take damage, or I can spend some time killing them and lose some time. Um, I think that's an interesting trade-off. I don't know if it works in this game, but it's, I would defend that as, you know, sort of okay game design. <laughs> I, I do want to say also something on that is that you have a dodge roll and you can dodge roll past a lot of the enemies if you time makes us right because you have invincibility during that dodge roll. It's the iframes dodge roll. The iframes on that dodge roll are eat it. Actually, like, it feels good to just, like, roll past an enemy in this. I feel like I'm yeah. playing Sekiro again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, that mechanic, when we discovered it, was pretty shocking to me, because I've seen Japanese games do a mechanic like that. I was really surprised that a Western game did that. Although, after looking this up again, this because is Because Flashback. <laughs> it's because Flashback. They're just doing the roll from... <laughs> but, um, also, it's like, Apparently this is Australian, and Australian game games have their own weird genetics. Well, you know, they're closer to Japan. Nope, sorry. That is not what I... That was not what I... That is not the point. I'm sorry I said that, everybody. I have, I, I will demote I, myself. I, I just meant that it's interesting to me that this game almost feels like a American or European game, but like it makes a couple decisions that are just a little bit different than that. 
The dodge roll is extremely important in some of the levels because some enemies you can't kill and some enemies respawn. Uh, in the medieval level in particular, there's witches. <laughs> of course. Of course, there's witches that fly overhead and drop jack-o'-lanterns on you because why the fuck not, I guess. Uh, you, yeah, have you have to, to dodge roll those. You have to burn through the witches. And you've got <laughs> to dig through the ditches. <laughs> Um, Sadly, you have no Dracula to help you. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so, I just didn't finish the Dracula level. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like it's it's weird. I want to. I I'm trying to think of other games that interrupt you and change the rules. Here's a list of all of the the things that I've had the gatekeeper do to me. He banished me, which sends you to. But appears to be a black hole where you have to dodge ghouls, sort of in, like they kind of fly up at you in 3D. Uh, he has just taken health away, straight up. Uh, once he reversed my directional controls, so left was right, right was left. Uh, he has sent me back to the beginning of a level. He has sent me to a bonus stage in the pyramid and a bonus stage in the club. But no, oh, and a bonus stage in the medieval place, but they were all completely different. Um, I think. That's all that I encountered. Were there any other gatekeeper encounters that I didn't mention? Sometimes he just straight up throws you into a black hole. There's at least any game I played where uh, you had to dodge uh, fate cards and collect other cards in order to get bonus points, which did something, maybe? Oh, I'll tell you what the bonus points do. The points crash the game. Once you get over 10,000 points, it crashes the game. <laughs> speaking of... Speaking of... Inexplicable... Oh, so they're for speedrunning. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of inexplicable mechanics, uh, one of... There were a couple kinds of collectibles. There were skulls that gave you health, which was nice. And there were dice that, when you collected them, would fall, and they would roll, and they display a number. And I have no idea what they did. They gave you ten times that that number in points. It just seems like oh. such an elaborate mechanic for just a random point value. Uh-huh, yeah. This game really is very much like some kind of bizarre mashup of Flashback and Sonic the Hedgehog. Because uh, <laughs> it, has, it has inertia mechanics. Like, uh, like, you build up momentum on slopes, and like if you take an elevator and jump right at the peak of the elevator, you jump like three times higher. Yeah, and if you jump off a slope, the angle of the slope influences your jump, just like Sonic. The fucking yeah. rooftops are, feel slippery when you're running down them. There's a thing about the running, too, that the run is a toggle on the shoulder button. Like, you either Oh, run, yeah, why would you walk? <laughs> like, you either run or you don't run, and you toggle it. And... And the momentum is just so strange because of this toggle mechanic. You start out, it feels like you've got, like your foot is caught in something. And you, 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 you have to just, like a dog has a hold of it and it takes you a second to tear it loose. And then suddenly you're lurching forward with great speed. It's very strange feeling. I just discovered that there's a ledge grab in this game. Yes, okay, I have to talk about the ledge grab because you can't finish the pyramid level until you figure out that if you hold up, 
then you can grab onto ledges when you touch them. And by the way, I put this in the super files channel. So there's tips in there. I don't know. Maybe you have it muted, but you know, <laughs> it's there. And it seems like you can only use the ledge grab on like ledges that have been designated as ledge grabbable. So you yes. can't freely use it to move throughout the game in a ledge. You can also way. use it to grab pipes. Yes. Yeah, the pipes. That, yeah, that's that's important. Um, so there are parts of the game because I read those notes that you, that that Basil Kenya um, put out, and so I was trying when I first played. I played through one area where you're trying to manage the rather slippery movement. Uh, there's something that's a fucking chunk of a Sonic level in the middle of it where you're in the toy shop level where um, you jump onto uh, jack-in-the-boxes and they launch you into the air and then you have little tiny platforms which are kind of a pain to uh, maneuver with our our boys jump and so I kept trying to just grab onto the platforms but you can't grab onto the platforms because they're not the designated Prince of Persia or flashback grabbable ledges there's at least one ledge in the pyramid level that's sort of like covered in goop or something and when i tried to grab onto it the keeper just went ha 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 that that actually was pretty fucking funny <laughs> um i want to take a step back and talk about the gatekeeper a little bit because i'm trying to think of games that do this that change the rules on you as you play and this is a very basic example of it the only other game i can think of that does it is tower of heaven which is a platformer game similarly, but it's sort of got this Game Boy aesthetic and it'll give you rules like don't move left or don't touch butterflies. Uh, and it's not random, but it does have this same feeling of like changing the rules and impacting, you know, how you see the world um, and, and how you play the game. I'm curious if anybody has similar examples of something like that. There's uh, sanity effects in Eternal Darkness. Oh, that's a good poll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Eternal Darkness. This feels like a, a predecessor almost to to that kind of thing where it sort of randomly fucks you over. <laughs> oh, shit. I've, I just got through a boss in this game. And uh, instead of having a death animation for the boss, it just said spectacular death sequence in the back. <laughs> oh, my God. Please tell me you got a screenshot. No. Damn. I, I oh, did. So Let me good. check. Uh, what was the boss? I was I was doing the medieval village level, and it was just like some old witch that looks like a muppet. You beat the medieval village level? I was literally I cheated just... my way through it. I just gave myself infinite health and uh, infinite time. I was okay, literally standing in her cauldron, shooting her in the face moments ago when I ran out of time. Oh fuck! <laughs> 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 that screenshot is beautiful yeah so this game has a few moments of that where uh it just has text like handwritten in a microsoft paint style way just on the background um another place that i saw that was uh there's a secret room in um in Samedi's club towards the beginning of the level and uh you basically can walk through a wall Sonic the Hedgehog style and when you get into this room it's totally empty and it says on the background in that same scrawl, nope, there's nothing in here. 
with a K, <laughs> nothing. Yeah, yeah, N U F F I N K. There's nothing in here. Oh my god. Oh, actually, misspelled spectacular too in a similar way. It's spelled it's S P E K T A L U U K A. Wow. Wow. And uh, <laughs> there's also in the uh, Bathory's castle level that's unfinished, when you get like a very short way into the level, there's just a dead end and it just says the end in the same writing. I was most disappointed that Elizabeth Bathory didn't make a real appearance in this game. <laughs> um, and if you Think don't know who that is, Google Where is my titty vampire? <laughs> Fuck. Because that's what she is in the board game. Oh, Stop. Okay. You wanted titty vampire? And then he turns you into a titty Maggot. vampire. Maggot. <laughs> you get turned into wow, a titty vampire. Wow, best of both worlds. And then you play the rest of the game as a titty vampire. This is wait. Uh, is she also the the person who appeared in the music video? Is that Bathory? I don't think so. She looks different. She looks like I saw a picture of her in the DVD game, and she looked very monstrous in that. But she was definitely a monstrous titty vampire. I think that Bathory um, narrates one of the later Nightmare games. By the way, she's the gatekeeper. Yeah, uh, there are a few, like, expansings, they call them, where they had, like, different characters narrate different um, videotapes, basically. And I think Bathory was one of them. Yeah, Nightmare 4 is is Elizabeth Bathory. Yep. Titty Vampire. That's that's the first time I've ever said titty in my life. That's not true. (laughs) Um, Okay, so... This game is mechanically strange. I want to really emphasize, and I don't know if this has been clear. uh, I really liked this game. I thought it was really interesting. I thought it had very big flaws, but it's also a prototype. So it's much easier to forgive those kinds of things. It takes too long to jump. It does take too long to jump. I fell off the same platform in the medieval village maybe 25 times in total. Because it's just like, you got to hit it right on the edge. And there's maybe like a two... Frame delay. You have to hit it before the, 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 yeah, yeah. Yep, it's fucked I'm just, up. I'm just mad yeah. now because I'm imagining the game where I could have gotten turned into a titty vampire, and <laughs> that would have been a better game. Doesn't uh, the thing, I don't want to play, play Blood, some Rain. Blood Rain when we're finished here. I don't want to play Blood Rain. I'm glad we both thought of Blood Rain. Hell yeah. <laughs> The thing that really bothered me about the jump is that the horizontal jump is higher than the vertical jump. What's that about? Oh, it is. Yeah, because you got to get a running start. It's like Mario. It's just like Mario. There are a lot of games from this era that work like that. A lot of games. It just feels good in most of the others, so you don't notice. Honestly, the more we talk about this game, the less less like impressed i am with it to be honest just because <laughs> it like bringing up those other examples like uh the sanity effects from uh eternal dark darkness and tower tower of heaven uh i was also thinking i don't know if final fantasy tactics advance counts or not but oh, that yeah. also came to mind Oh um, yeah, that's a good call. Actually, I would I would count that because the the what, the judges give you random rules that you have to obey during the fight, or you get penalized. Anyway, sorry, go ahead, Cassie. Oh, uh, 
No, I just want to say that uh, a lot of this stuff has been done better in other games, basically. So all that's left is like the graphics and kind of the mechanics of a kind of B plus, not even B plus, like a B platformer, basically. I have played so much worse than this, so I'm willing to give it a lot of credits. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after after experiencing the magic of the with uh, Chester Cheetah's Wild Wild Quest, this feels amazing in comparison to uh, other licensed board uh, licensed video games we've played. Yeah, like I think, which I guess is the difference between a B platformer and a C platformer. Or like a Z platformer. Um, yeah, like it is definitely not perfect. And I think like the thing I'm impressed by most is it's um, they could have just done a dumb platformer, right? But they tried something a little bit different. And they are, pro- I mean, of all of the examples we've listed of games that have done something similar to The Gatekeeper, they're all much later. Um, I can't think of a single one before this it really fucked with you like this. Um, so it's like they didn't have any examples to work on. They didn't have anything but the board game and their experience making platformers. I don't know what else they made. I didn't look into it that deeply. So many things. Okay. <laughs> I actually am kind of impressed by this developer in general, or at least, oh, these guys are interesting, even if they never made a really good game. And like, I got a good feeling from I played the medieval level over and over and over again. And I kept getting a little bit better at it. I got a really good feeling from that. It's still shit and unfair at the end when it spawns four egg bastards, which by the way, I'm going to tell you what an egg bastard is. An egg bastard is a buff guy. I think with hairy legs, I didn't ever get a screenshot. I can't remember now. Um, And he throws what looks like eggs and they go in this, it's like a, 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 a triangle wave sort of, but like up and down there, as far as I can tell, impossible to dodge. There's nothing you can do about it. You're just going to take loads of damage. I hate the egg bastards. They're in multiple levels and they can fuck off. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I, I played that level over and over and I am not a patient person. <laughs> like I do not do these kinds of things. I quit Sekiro because it pissed me off. Like, you know, so I, I thought it was compelling, but I am also being more forgiving because I don't know what they were going to do with it. I don't know how much many there, changes were going to happen. I just looked at the cutting room floor on this game. There was going to be a two-player mode in this. Still <gasps> enable oh two-player mode with a cheat code. What? What is oh it? Oh my do? god! Ah, we could you, you just get a second player who show who <gasps> can play at the same time. That's wild. What we does it look d- like? Are they Identical. Vampire. Oh. <laughs> I feel so. I feel so cheated now. Cassie and I could have totally done this. Oh my god, that's such a bummer. Yeah. Apparently, <laughs> it's even more broken, which is why you could only access it through a cheat code. Well, it's not that bad though, because you can't finish the pyramid because the second player doesn't recognize ladders. And you can't go into the unfinished level because it crashes. But that's not too bad. You know, if you're using save states, like you should be with a prototype game. <laughs> but that's that's incredible. I cannot believe I didn't look up the cutting room floor. I just assumed nobody would have information on this because it was only released, like, what, a week ago or something. Yeah, the- it was released at the beginning of this month. It was released seven days ago as of recording. <laughs>
So like the fact that the cutting room floor found that is, I how do you, I don't know how this works. I don't know how they find the shit they find. It's incredible. They probably just dumped it. There's like easy ways to dump Super Nintendo bitmaps and stuff. But there you go. Okay, well, so yeah, I think, you know, we'll save our final judgment for the final part of this episode. Um, but what else do we have for gun before we move on to our next category? Stop! It's been a while since I've had any fun. Listen to the next section backwards, or turn off the podcast. Your choice. Not a boop 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 sounds like nothing so we're moving on i'm the boss i can flashback roll flashback roll is really good i i love the flashback roll i take back most everything I say about that game, I I love the dodge roll in Atmosphere. I'm saying this right now, the I found hitting it slightly awkward because you gotta push down on your D pad, but you know it was it was a different time. It's uh, it's a good dodge roll. It's very happy. It's very good. It's very wonderful, and I used it a lot. So um, I, I take that dog's roll out for drinks. That's all. <laughs> I I marry that dodge roll and we have dodge children. <laughs> <laughs> um okay. So let's move on to our third topic, which is of course uh, 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 oh no, it's the salary man corner. Here it comes. Oh wait, I didn't send out a game because it was an emergency. So instead, what I'd like you all to think about, we are gonna have a little break to talk about something other than this game. We're going to talk about the scariest moment we've ever had in a video game that wasn't a horror game. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, I have something for this. I, that's good. I'm glad. I asked folks to think about it, but I think I just put it randomly in chat, so you probably missed it. Um, so I will give everybody a little bit of time to think about it. Um, I just want to say that mine, this is the one that sticks in my head. I've had other moments that are scarier. I could talk about Earthbound, but I feel like that's really passe. Um, <laughs> uh, but one time at about four in the morning, I might have been 17, 16, something around there, I was playing a Half Life single player set of maps with like it was like a mod slash campaign and there was this maze and i remember it being kind of like a pyramid had an office in it it had that like sort of sandy walls and weird hieroglyphs but also like desks and computers i don't know if that's really how it was but that's how i remember it and i had cleared out this little maze i'd killed all the little troopers and whatever and fuck and i was trying to find a key or some shit i was exploring 
and I was walking around completely unafraid and I turn a corner and there's a, a just a random enemy like human and he spots me and fucking shoots me a bunch but I I literally was so scared that I threw my mouse off the desk and practically tipped my chair over because I wasn't expecting some bad guy to show up in this place that I had already cleared out and it it just really shook me <laughs> so and I couldn't sleep really well that night and it was so nothing it was nothing at all but it scared the shit out of me and it has been in my head for 12 wait how fucking old am I what's the math on that a long time 15 years something like that so <laughs> so there you go so that's my scary moment what do other people have to share about scary moments and non-horror games I I have one that's somewhat similar actually um but I, I'm not sure thinking about it would we count Doom 64 as a horror game the scary moment I had had nothing to do with like the contents of Doom 64 I don't think Doom 64 or any of the Dooms are are your typical horror games. They're not there to scare. Maybe their atmosphere is a little bit atmosphere is a little bit like, oh, spooky, but they're not generally going to like do anything but maybe a minor jump scare. So so I uh, took a break from playing through Doom 64. uh, And when I went back to my save, I loaded it up and I started wandering around the level and there were these dead monsters everywhere and i don't know who killed them i thought it had to be like some kind of like intentional building up the tension to like uh revealing a cyber demon or something and i really spooked myself because i was wandering around this massive labyrinth for like 10 minutes and just saw corpses everywhere and then i realized that i was the monster who killed everything (laughs) (laughs) maybe the real monster was the friends we killed along the way (laughs) Why didn't you just talk to the monsters, Tulpa? God damn it, Tulpa. <laughs> they didn't give me the option. I would talk to all monsters in any game if I had the option. My gun doesn't Except talk. Except for Nazis. I'll kills. never talk to Nazis. Well, there were some monsters. They're humans. Uh, I couldn't deal with the fast headcrabs in Half-Life 2. There, I said it. It's out now. Those um, things were fucking freaky. <laughs> I didn't like their weird monkey howls. I didn't like the whipping noises they made, which I think was they fucking ripped straight out of the fucking sound effects library from the Alien franchise. Yeah. Um, and they use them for lots of jump scares in Ravenholm, which is obviously a horror-themed uh, fucking section of that game, but it's not a horror game. I Nothing about that whole thing scared me, except all those stupid fucking head crab jump scares. Uh they did tons of damage to me because I was waving my mouse around frantic, trying to hose them down with whatever, having a heart attack because I couldn't deal with the giant alien spiders that made the bad noise on in the video game circa 2003 or whatever. I'm a very well-adjusted person. I mean, I thought that, I mean, I'm scared of everything. Like, I have been scared by, like, just 
okay, PUBG is a great example of a game that has frightened me because I am trying not to be, you know, predatored, <laughs> basically. <laughs> like, everything scares me. And yeah, that, I didn't, it, Raven Home was slightly terrifying. So maybe we're both maladjusted, though. I don't know. That's possible. They just so, make that noise. Don't like that noise. They scream at you. Ugh. They scream like a big sack spider that screams. <laughs> a big sack spider that screams. <laughs> um, okay, who who else has got stuff they want to talk about here? Uh, I got two. One shorter, one longer. Well, and... short first, long later. <laughs> yeah. So the shorter one is Remember Check's Quest. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. So I got a copy of it and I was like, hey, there's a computer game. Because I was like six, right? Because this was like five or six when this came out. I played it and I could not sleep the next night. So I had my father destroy the disc for it. So the monsters <laughs> would not hurt me. That rule. It's not as very frightening. That's understandable. Like, if you get a like, when you quit the game, the last scene you see is various serial people in a wall of goo about to be killed by slime. So, like, I Oh, feel, God, you're right. So I feel kind of justified in that one. Um, the other one that really, 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 really sticks with me is the first... I went on a trip, and I got to borrow my aunt's Super Nintendo, which later became my Super Nintendo. This trip was to see kind of how I did with it. Uh, well, not the trip, but let it getting to borrow it. And I did not know what Super Metroid was. I'd played Smash Brothers. I actually enjoyed playing Samus. I booted up Super Metroid. Everything is dark and scary and, and terrifying. And I'm like, are those dead bodies? And yes, they are dead bodies. And mm-hmm. then, then Ridley turns up, and I had no idea. Like, I had no idea what Metroid was like. Not the faintest idea. And so this giant pterodactyl thing screams at me, attacks me, steals a jellyfish, then it's exploding. Again, no idea that this was going to happen. Run back, literally get into the ship, you know, get to the thing, beat it. I have to turn the game off. My heart is pounding. It's the scariest thing that's ever happened. So then months later, I return to the game, and uh, then I, like, play up to the Chozo statue boss, and the exact same thing happens. It was, I was like, wait, this thing that gave me a power-up is trying to murder me now? (laughs) And then I I beat it, I saved the game, and then I just, like, stopped playing for another couple months because I could not handle Super Metroid both times. Yeah, that game scared me, too, when I was a kid. Mainly the, um, the title screen was the main thing that freaked me out. It's, like, very atmospheric, very this slow pan across this uh, abandoned dark laboratory with broken glass and everything, and you hear them and screeching. Corp- and corpses. And yeah, corpses. and corpses, and there's screeching and scary sound effects and creepy music. Yeah, what that's- is Nintendo trying to do to watch? <laughs> <laughs> that actually reminds me that when I got... I got my Genesis for Christmas. It was the Sonic 2 pack-in. And I got to play it a little that night. And I was an extremely understimulated child. I didn't get to watch a lot of television. I didn't play. Like, I had had a master system. Uh, So, you know, Alex Kidd. Uh, The 
the sheer visual splint and audio splendor of Sonic the Hedgehog sort of fucked me up. And when I went to bed that night, after like an hour of playing that speedy hedgehog, I could not sleep because just the Green Hill Zone fucking theme was pounding in my head. I laid awake for hours, like, wondering when it would stop regretting ever playing video games. Yeah. That makes me think of something. <laughs> this I'm this sorry. has been a, a remarkably fruitful subsection, but I want to let uh, Cassie, if you have any things that you, that fit this, if you want to talk about them, I don't want to leave you out. Uh, yeah, I um, I kind of related to Doom. I guess is uh, there was a Quake expansion where you plague as, like... Or you fuck X-Men characters, basically. Like, clones of X-Men characters. So you would fight Wolverine and stuff. And I had never played Quake before. Um, I had barely played any first-person shooter on the on our computer before. We were raised pretty, pretty strictly Catholic, so not able to play Doom and a lot of stuff. And... Um, the box arc was just the 3D models of like Wolverine and Storm and Sucks, and they really <laughs> freaked me out. And I didn't even play the game. I asked my dad to return the game, and that's that's probably my scariest moment. <laughs> it, I love this shit. Um, I have a story to tell too. Um, so. I, uh, this actually happened kind of recently, a couple years ago. Um, I was online reading about, uh, various old, uh, virtual worlds, um, like, you know, second lifestyle things, but before second life. And I read about one called worlds from like 1995 that, oh, um, yeah, yeah. I found out that worlds was still online. So, uh, I logged into it. Like I downloaded it. It was free. I made an account. I logged in and, um, so it spawned me into this hub area that everyone starts in. It's just like this generic like chatting area. So the way it works is you've got a 3D avatar uh, and everything is text-based. So you can see other people's avatars and you talk to them via a text client. And basically everyone in the same uh, area you're in can hear you when you type into the chat. So I spawn in and this guy with this real scary avatar immediately runs up to me. His name is Trabbers and his avatar is a uh, humanoid. It's like a human body with a hummingbird head. And it's like kind of a realistic, creepy hummingbird head. And the whole body is like the color of a hummingbird's feathers, like this teal color. And so sort of like picture like a, a Horace, but with a hummingbird head. So he runs up to me and he just says, follow me. And then, so he teleports somewhere. And in this game, uh, you can teleport to someone that you've met. So I teleport to him, and he is teleported to a completely different area that is really bizarre. Um, people were able to create their own areas in this game and their own avatars. It was very customizable. So 
he started giving me this tour where he kept teleporting to all these really weird user created areas that were uh very outsider art style like i would describe the visual style of a lot of this stuff as like 90s techno optimism but like mixed with like disturbing outsider art like uh, people being crucified or like uh I don't know, just like real, real bizarre and kind of violent, dark stuff. So he's taking me around all these different areas. And the entire time he's saying in the chat all this cryptic shit that uh, sometimes he goes a little bit too far and he comes off like he's like a 4chan 14 year old trying to be mysterious and scary. But for the most part, it's pretty effective considering the visuals he's showing me are like really out there. So he takes me all over the place. This lasts for like 45 minutes. And then at the end of it, he warps me to this uh, other area just this totally obscure spot where there's a circle of people just a circle of avatars standing in a circle talking to each other in this totally out of no out like in the middle of nowhere area they're just having a chat and they're like oh hey travers and they all know him travers drops the act and just is like oh hey what's up how's it going and uh, they're all just having a chat they all seem to know each other pretty well and i'm just there <laughs> and like i just start joining the conversation and uh it felt like i had been through some kind of creepy cult initiation or something that rules so much and it really just underlines the fact that people are the scariest <laughs> Yeah, like, this was a game that wasn't active in, like, five or ten years, right? Like, it was, these were, like, new people that had found it more recently and were just spending a ton of time in there for no reason and getting to know each other. Yeah, it's, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. That, okay, I'm going to end this section now that we've all had a chance to talk, and I did skip you, OSB. I just thought Cassie hadn't talked yet. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. (laughs) I mean, I mentioned Super Metroid, so I talked about something there, too. Yeah, but but that that was a wonderful story. I'm glad you told it. I want to tell one last one, then we're gonna go back to the, the thing because I'm the boss. I can do whatever I want. Um, the I, I was wrong. The scariest moment I ever had in a video game was Tellero Boxer on the Virtual Boy. Tellero Boxer is a first person boxing game. It is um, you have there are eight eight or ten normal opponents that you face, um, and there is a secret opponent that you can face if. You get through the first normal ones without losing once. You can't lose once. Um, if you face the secret opponent and lose once, you can never face it again. Uh, you have to start a totally new save file and do it all over again. So I, I, I knew this. I knew this when I played the game. Um, so it wasn't a surprise to me. But I didn't know who the secret opponent was. So I get to the last boss, I, or the last fighter, I beat him, and then I, it's like, okay, a new challenger appears. Typically what happens is that you have a little intro to the, uh, the opponent you're about to face, like the curtains, literal red curtains, of course red, uh, draw, and you see your opponent, and they maybe do some weird little animation and you fight. And then you typically, in my case, lose. But I got, so, um, but... This one, there's, it's all like, it, it doesn't tell you who you're going to fight. It's all question marks. There's no picture. Uh, then it goes to the fight. The red curtains pull back. There's nothing there. And I'm like, what the fuck? There's no music. There's no sound. Nothing. All of a sudden, this giant cat drops down and proceeds to fucking murder me. Like, 
And, and because it's a virtual boy, you know, it scratches you and those scratches are right in your eyes. And I'm like trying to dodge. I'm trying to punch. I'm trying to do anything. And I just get the, the shit beat out of me. My heart is racing. I am terrified. And I know that if I lose, I cannot face this opponent until I play the game all over again. And I lose. I fucking lose really bad. <laughs> um, and the very last thing that happens, you get scratched in the face one last time. The game goes to static. And then it fades away. And then it's like, well, you lost. Sorry. That scared the shit out of me. <laughs> that was, and I, I haven't ever really had a video game experience that has matched that sort of mystery and terror until honestly something like Dark Souls. So it, it was a wonderful moment. Teller Boxer is the best game. If you've never played it before, I just ruined the best part. So fuck it, I guess. <laughs> I was really hoping it was going to be Wario. I, that would have been pretty funny. But the best part about it is that when you do finally beat the cat boss, uh, it's a cat. Like the, cat the, the, like the robot is being piloted by a real cat who just licks its paw and walks off the stage. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, okay, so that was the uh, scary man corner. Uh, we're going to move on to our next topic, which is, as always, investigation. I didn't do a lot of investigation. I played this game a lot, but I don't know a lot. Um, what do we have for investigation? Tiger, I know you have some stuff, and, and, and what else do we have? Okay, I mean, I think a lot of us all watched a lot of the videos, and I think some of us even watched that promotional tape. But I do want to start us off with some speculation, thanks to some stuff I recently learned about how Nintendo operated at the time, that makes me suspect I know why this game got dropped. And I want to know about that. I'm very, very, very curious. So, the, according to Rebecca Heinemann on our interview on Retronauts, the way Nintendo operated back at this point was that you had to pay them to manufacture every game. And they had a limited amount of space to manufacture games because they owned all the factories. And they prioritized themselves and their, like, closer, better friends first before you, right? So, looking at all of the games Beam Software put out at this time, there were they had released, like, four or five games in 93 and 94. And that, like, the, the uh, final build of this game would have been, like, literally weeks away, if not at the time the Sega Saturn had its American release, because that... Or, no. Weeks away from its Japanese release. So they know that the PlayStation, the uh, Saturn, they're right around the corner. They have to t put a ton of money down on this game in order to make it. Maybe the VHS game sales are winding down. I don't know. This is, like, a year after the big dance party, which we'll talk about in a minute. And I suspect they just saw the writing on the wall and said, do we really want to spend a huge amount of money to get this published when it's probably not going to do that well right this moment? Sounds realistic to me. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. And it, it, it is weird from like a non-developer perspective to think about. You've got a game that's like 80% of the way there, and you're just like, ah, fuck it, we're not going to release it. But the cost of releasing a game is tremendous. <laughs> like... 
that's really hard for somebody like me who's on the outside of it to quantify but i know you've got marketing and at that time you also had the physical production of these cartridges the distribution of these cartridges you were paying licensing fees to nintendo i think if i'm not mistaken you might have been paying there was some sort of like cost to even have it in stores like it was pretty fucked up so like yeah like getting 80 to 90 percent of the way through developing game and not releasing it because it just doesn't make sense is unfortunately a very realistic thing in my mind and uh like, yeah, I actually kind of feel sad about this, because if this had been a Genesis game, it actually probably would have come out, because, like, Sega had such cheaper rates for that. Yeah, Nintendo, I mean, like, we, this is a Nintendo-centric podcast. Um, this, I don't know if this is anything I've ever said. Nintendo kind of sucks, like, <laughs> as a company. Oh, God, yes, they do. <laughs> they kind of really suck. Uh, and that's not even talking about modern like their own modern politics. We're talking about like. I can't believe you would say that about my friend Shigeru Miyamoto, who took me into his garden and put a trowel <laughs> in my hand and taught me about all the birds and animals. And then he gave me a hug. He is a kind and generous man and he has a nice smile. I'm no way he would be involved in any kind of business badness. <laughs> I, meanwhile. That is why I will never support Wisdom Tree Games, publishers <laughs> <and Final laughs> Entertainment. However, they do not pay the licensing fees, which is bad and not a very Christian of them. Give Shiggy his licensing fees. <laughs> Meanwhile, I, I do want to say that uh, Howard Phillips personally threatening me and my life and... Um, threatening to use his bow tie against me and I've never been the same th- since. <laughs> that was probably a misunderstanding. Um, it's all been a misunderstanding. No, Nintendo sucks. <laughs> and, I, you know, I have a Switch. I pay them money. I'm a hypocrite. I don't care. They still suck. Uh, so just, just FYI. Um, but... Yes, if this had been a Genesis game, maybe it would have been released. Maybe it would have had the polish that would have made this the completed product I would have loved to see. It still wouldn't have been an A-plus game. It still wouldn't have been this perfect game, but it would have been if it was a Genesis the thing they game, wanted to make. It would not have had polish. I will just say that. Oh, Ouch. come on. <laughs> hey, we just spent like five minutes saying that Nintendo is the worst fucking company, which is true. So I can also say Sega is the worst company, too. I don't know anything about Sega, but there's Sonic the Hedgehog Twitter account. I can't believe you say that about my friend Sonic the Hedgehog. (laughs) His young, his catamite Miles Tails prower. He has three tails and three wonderful penises. Just for Sonic. (laughs) Oh my god. Look, look. Trash Sega the Corporation all you want. I just, there are polished Sega games. Like Herzog Zwei. Zwei. Zwei? Whatever. Fuck it. Um, okay. So, <laughs> um, I, I, I do want to talk about I, the legacy of this board game, I guess. Like, oh, it's, yeah. It, it, it's sort of interesting. Yeah. There were so many nightmare slash atmosphere games. Like, it's, it's incredible. I think they were like, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to find the exact number and the last date that this was published. Hold on. 
this franchise was a goddamn phenomenon in uh, Australia, apparently, which is where it originated. Um, we watched a video that Cassie dug up of uh, all kinds of like press material that they had gathered together onto a tape, I suppose, uh, including a news report that was all about how successful it was and how much money the company made, which, by the way, the company has the best porn name. It's called A Couple of Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> So a couple of cowboys made bank off of this and uh, the video showed the people who I suppose must have been the couple of cowboys themselves. These two guys, probably in their 30s, who uh, were literally shown lounging on their yacht talking about how much money they made from such a great like marketing business deal they made on this game. And uh, let's see, it also included uh, footage from a dance party that they threw at a big uh, carnival, like a theme park in Australia on Halloween. And they used the stage in there to throw this enormous dance party with the gatekeeper himself, blanket on his head and everything, uh, emceeing the event. So I guess they were like DJing, playing some songs. He was emceeing in his, you know, awful voice. And, and uh, they even had footage of a little uh, shitty 3D hologram thing of his face, just this line-drawn, awful approximation of the gatekeeper's face while uh, dance music played. <laughs> it was fucking packed. There were hundreds of people there, and they like interviewed people in the crowd. They interviewed this this young woman who was like, this is the best dance party I've ever been to. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best dance party that has ever existed. I am a real person. Mm. I, I think- love to dance at the gatekeeper's music. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can safely say it's the best dance party ever hosted based on a VHS tape board game. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. It was only $10 entry, so, you know, worth it, worth every penny. Um, 10 Australian 90s dollars, which might be quite a bit more. <laughs> yeah, but they gave out free copies of the board game there. They That's added like 300 American dollars now. Yeah, there was a hype man on stage who was like <laughs> holding up the board game, like, hey, come get your free copy. And uh, I have to imagine that like a T-shirt, he just threw this big ass box right into the crowd for people to catch. Um, I died. <laughs> <laughs> so it looked pretty great. Unfortunately, they did not play any of the music in the video that they played at the party. I'm dying to know, like, was it like house music or, or was it like just like you know, one of those Halloween spooky special effects tapes or something? Like, what were they playing at the party? It was just the Monster Mash on repeat. Oh, probably. But that brings me to the fact that they made a music video just for this board <laughs> game that apparently was on about halfway through one of the tapes of one of the games. The game would be interrupted by this music video. It's the greatest thing I've ever seen. It features a rapping Baron Samedi and... uh it's yeah i kind of it's a little bit hard to describe but they did definitely play that song at that party uh and i have to wonder if the whole party was that song on loop like for eight hours that's a great thing to have structurally uh in your on the rails board game experience because so often people get tired when you're playing a game or just sort of begin to lose focus so it's good to have a nice little, you know, break. Everyone can listen to the Baron Samedi rap. Everyone can look <laughs> at dancing zombies. Everyone can just chill out and not focus on the game and then return refreshed. Yeah. Maggots. Uh, 
the song is extremely catchy like it's almost good i'm gonna have it stuck in my head for the next month uh i hope that vasylcania will edit this in Uh, so you can hear part of it because it is incredible yeah that's definitely happening that is definitely happening i will download the whole video and i will fucking edit just that in it's probably been playing this whole time <laughs> um, in the nightmare. oh god it's so bad though <laughs> all right uh so including expansions there are 10 uh nightmare slash atmosphere games there's Nightmare 1, 2, 3, and 4. So 2, 3, and 4 are all... Uh, it, it, it's not a typical expansion. So Nightmares 2, 3, and 4, they replace the cards and the tape, importantly, from the original game. So it doesn't expand the game, it changes the game. So that's sort of interesting. These were released between 1991 and 1993. So in, in, in two years, you had four games. That's a lot. Um, and then you had Atmosphere, colon, The Harbingers. So this came out in 1995. So it was a two-year break. That was after this prototype was built. Um, but it features the gatekeeper from the first game, except with green eyes and more makeup. The, at, the, the gatekeeper in this video game has green eyes. So I think that if you took a halfway point between Nightmare released in 1991 and Atmosphere colon The Harbingers released in 1995, you would have Atmosphere the Super Nintendo game. Uh, and then there were there was an expansion released, the Booster Game Tape, same year, 1995, Atmosphere the Soul Rangers, which is, I think, maybe... No, that's not the video we want. Um, but that, that was released in 1996. So this was very very rapid fire atmosphere colon the harbingers featured the, that's the the video you want to watch uh if you want to see the most complicated rules for probably the most boring game uh and then there was a huge break a six-year break in 2003 they released atmosphere the dvd board game and then three years later they released atmosphere khufu k-h-u-f-u the mummy now, this is interesting because there was supposed to be a Nightmare 5 way back in the 90s that featured Khufu the Mummy, and it was never released. So this is essentially that expansion, but released in 2006. And I'm going to tell you, I made a mistake. There's a page 2. There's more than 10 games. Um, oh, no, this is, these are games released by a couple of cowboys. So there's only 10 Nightmare games. They also released a game in 1987, the year I was born, called The Truth Hurts. And then they released a game in 1992 called Rap Rat Video Board Game. Oh, no. <laughs> someone, I saw a little bit of that. Someone in the select button thread when we were planning our board game watch night actually posted a link to that Rat Rap game. We should have watched that. I had no idea it was by the same people. Uh... I would like to note uh, in the Wikipedia article for the Harbingers in particular, uh, overall development for the Harbingers and all of its expansion tapes uh, took uh, the development ended six years after it started. So 
long-term project with about six million dollars invested in the development of the game holy fuck and it was partially funded uh by village roadshow which is a very uh well-known australian uh, movie production company I should probably say a multimedia company at this point but they're best known for funding major motion pictures You'll see their logo in front of many movies. Yeah. So. That's why that, that rung a bell. Village Roadshow. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, six mil, $6 million over six years for a series of maggots. <laughs> <laughs> According to the promo tape, it, w- it grossed more than Crocodile Dundee at the time. Their words, not mine. Yeah, the two cowboys were really bragging about that. <laughs> yeah, like that was incredible. Like th- this promo video is is shocking. I, if I don't forget, I will put links to the uh, Nightmare Harbingers video, and I will put a link to the uh, dance party slash promo video in the description of this podcast. If they're not there, you should email us at snexploration at gmail dot com and tell me I fucked up and. <laughs> And I'll put them in and I'll send them to you personally and I'll give you a shout out on the next podcast. Um. <laughs> yeah, Harbinger sold above the industry sales predictions in Australia and became one of the top the top 10 best-selling games in the United States and the United Kingdom within months of its release. On the game's release, Mattel launched a marketing campaign with a spot on NPV, cross promotions with soft drinks, and a website for the game. Soft drinks soft drink promotions coke and pepsi promoted this oh yeah on the tape there were commercials for uh the pepsi nightmare challenge where uh you could win a a projector you could win like a nice projector a copy of the game and uh, uh something oh a nice sound system i think so that you could play this game in like super hd in 1996 or whatever it's incredible like, ah, oh, it's just amazing. Um, I do want to say, from Wikipedia, so who knows. During an interview with Hard Copy in 1992, they discussed the possibility of there being a movie based on the characters. This, too, fell through because of the declining sales. This was such a flash in the pan. Um, and yet, it was, I mean, it was a nuclear bomb in the pan. It was huge. And then it just disappeared. Um, amazing shit. Amazing shit. <laughs> So a lot of people would say that the sort of uh, prominence of or awareness of fetish lifestyles in the common discourse are, yeah, it's probably related to the ubiquity of the internet, um, childhood memories of the gatekeeper. Yeah, like there's more, there's, there's more information available to more people. People can find one another. People can be exposed to more things, which can awaken their fetish is things that are latent in them. Uh, they have outlets where they can express them in safe ways, uh, without having to like find other people (laughs) in physical space. But how much of it can be as Tulpa said, like, like how many people 
how many people just got so used to being negged relentlessly by Daddy Dom, the gatekeeper, <laughs> in the 90s? It was like a splinter in their brain that they were never able to take out. And then you combine that with the internet. It's like having all those like fucking cartoons. It was like everybody watching Tailspin and now they're all furries. Like, of course. I don't I know. It's just a thought. <laughs> I, yeah, I watched a little bit of Tailspin and, uh, you know. It was tempting. Um, I just want to say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I am on marrowproductions.com. Uh, this is a fan. There's a fan wiki called The Well of Fears, which seems to be just about atmosphere and nightmare. There is a big headline here. It says, update for 2019. More atmosphere games have been announced. Visit the forums for more details as we learn them. Right. <laughs> I visited the forum. It's back, baby. <laughs> I'm yeah. back. On Blu-ray? On Blu-ray? <laughs> right? Like... I'm in high-definition, maggots. <laughs> I'm in 4K, you piece of shit. <laughs> haven't, haven't these games kind of become a bit outmoded with the advent of like those Jackbox party games, which have effectively offer you the same exact experience of being nudged by a smarmy asshole while uh, you answer quiz questions. If they were able to actively integrate that sort of digital ridiculousness that Jackbox does, I think that would be actually really wonderful. But I don't think that's what's happening. Now, here's the thing. This was posted in January 11, 2019. So three plus months ago. All right, ladies and gents, I have a source inside the company. The game is coming back. Brand new, bigger, better. Yo, Baron, I can dig it. I'm quoting exactly, please. Um, wait, wait, is this is this from their uncle who works at Couple of Cowboys? This is exactly what this is. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I know. 2019 is the release year. Filming is currently being done. Everything else has been finished up. It will be available to every major country. This is normal anyway. I don't know what that I don't know what that means. It's not a re-release. I'm going to try and get an interview with the developers when they're not busy. This is the wrong there. I just want to emphasize that. Follow the FP FB page call an Atmosphere Fan Club for more updates. So I have some further Googling to do. <laughs> um according to Wikipedia and they link to an article in at Toy World. Toy World magazine. The business magazine with a passion for toys uh, at Comic-Con <laughs> 2018. Hijinks Toys announced at San Diego Comic-Con that Atmosphere, one of the best-selling games of its time, will be relaunched in 2019. hey it's going to happen. Norma Rosenhain, CEO of Hijinks Toys, commented, The original from 1991 was a true game changer in terms of bringing board games to a new market via VHS and DVD. We are relaunching Atmosphere for the digital age and are so excited for its launch in 2019. Phil Tanner from A Couple of Cowboys. Hey, they've listed it. They, fuck you, Toy World. They... They write it a couple of cowboys, not a couple of cowboys. I am offended. The IP owner of Atmosphere commented, 
The game originally sold over 3M units at retail and is one of those games that people have wanted to re-release. By people, they mean themselves because they want another 3 million units to be (laughs) We are so happy to be teaming with Hijinks for this and the subsequent follow-up games and look forward to what they can do to get new gamers to face their fears. Creative is currently in discussions regarding who will distribute to relaunch the game across various territories. So we're all going to the party they throw for this one, yeah? (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'm going. I'm going. (laughs) Slut button meetup three. uh, (laughs) Atmosphere party. Stop! You, the headphones on. Listen to an episode of Retronauts before continuing and say thank you. If you fail to say thank you, then also take a shot of Shire Juice. That'll teach you some respect. <laughs> okay, 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 this is not great. So first of all, I found the Atmosphere fan club. I found their photos. There's a bunch of memes. And it's 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 wonderful. Here's a picture of the gatekeeper from the first game, and it says, How I wish interviewers would respond when politicians keep dodging the questions. And then at below the bottom text is, Answer me, you maggot! They're very good. There's a timeline with MS Paint fan art. This is just a bunch of memes. There's one with the gatekeeper that says, Oh, matron. I have no idea what that means. <laughs> but here's the bad news. Uh, somebody on the Atmosphere fan page says, All right, dirtbags, I have news. September 1st, 2019, expected release date, $79.99 cost. Oh, wow. Yikes. Also, they all talk to each other in the gatekeeper lingo. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. There's a six-part timeline to these games that somebody has put together. Um, I'm not even going to get these. I don't get it. (laughs) But... These are some good good memes, though. I'm into it. Here, I'm going to send another one. You know what's fucked up is, like, board games are better these days. They might, like, hire a good game designer who might make something worth playing. Radio yeah, they should just get Vlada Kvatil to work on this. Yeah, they're going to make, like, a legacy game and, like, everyone's going to love it. <laughs> I was going to say, say, Rainier Nizia presents Atmosphere. Look, we're ahead. There's of the already a legacy betrayal of the house on the hill, so this would probably be a bit redundant then. But does it oh. have a VHS? Oh, that's what the cost is. It it comes with a VHS, but also a VCR. <laughs> they might. I I could see them making a betrayal at House on the Hill like uh, version that was atmosphere themed and came with a DVD or something. Like uh, they already did the D and D themed one of those. Magic Bang. The highest tier of their Kickstarter gets you a VHS and a VHS player that is shaped like the gatekeeper's head. <laughs> and when you put when you put the tape in its mouth, he insults you. <laughs> Be kind, rewind, maggot. <laughs> Oh God! Okay, I see you forgot to rewind again. Yeah. There's like an extra half hour at the end of the VHS tape, which is just uh, the gatekeeper nagging you for not rewinding. <laughs> I'll need you to pick up my laundry. 
I'll I need you, you don't... to go ahead. I interrupted I... your wonderful thing. I was just going to be gross. <laughs> I need you to set the board game on fire in the middle of your living room. <laughs> Burn down your house. Fuck you. And you don't get to come this month. <laughs> <laughs> You like it when I talk to you like this, don't you, maggot? This, how is this? Shut up! How <laughs> do we make everything so horny? All right, it's folks. inherently horny. It is inherently you horny. Watch the video. I'm the gatekeeper, and you all need to shut up. It's time for our final topic. I feel bad. I'm sorry. I'm not the gatekeeper. Um, but it is time for our final topic because I'm hungry. It's revelation. Dun, dun, dun. This is where we give our bottom line reviews of the game. It's great. I will start us off and I will say that uh, Atmosphere is combining the Prince of Persia with... Stop! Hands up! Who's next? I forget what I was going to say. Fuck, I had a joke! I had a joke and you ruined it! So go back to the beginning and, and die! Ah! Atmosphere is bigger than Crocodile Dundee. <laughs> Atmosphere is the best Super Nintendo game based on a VHS tape board game I've ever played. That was never released. <laughs> I mean, there's... You find one that was released, too, and, and I'll modify <laughs> that. You show me that game, I will modify what I said. <laughs> yeah, we'll Atmosphere. edit it in later. Well, Atmosphere, and I am not even kidding, is a better cinematic former with a horror theme than Blackthorn. I think I got enough between those two to put together a whole sentence. <laughs> I know it's internet said. cutting out. I, yeah, it was just really, really choppy there. For me, I don't know, maybe it's me. It was choppy for me too. It was choppy for me as well. Okay. Yeah. Good old Topa internet. Good old Comcast. Greatest horror of all. <laughs> <laughs> that made no sense. That's perfect. I'm leaving I, that in. I heard it. <laughs> I only heard good old Com greatest horror. Yeah, Comcast, <laughs> the greatest horror of all, was what Topo was saying. Okay, I figured that's what it was. Uh, atmosphere could have taught an entire generation about orgasm denial. <laughs> could like have. It, it digging <laughs> is. It, it feels like it. It's like that they threw away that responsibility. They could have taken that responsibility, and they didn't. And I feel like we should really put them to task for that. They put once again capitalists put the profit motive before everything, and the world has changed for the worst. Atmosphere is the British show Taskmaster if Greg Davis had a lot more warts and really hated when you were horny. Atmosphere is um interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Atmosphere hasn't realized its potential and never will, which makes me sad. That that does make me sad. Both the game and I feel like the the franchise itself 
like you know it could have gone on and done many things imagine an alternate future where vxs board games was like the big thing and like it affected even video games imagine mario party where you just play a board game and every now and then bowser pops up and says something <laughs> to you and yanks you it, isn't that isn't that just Mario Party, though? It's not, isn't that it, just, like, all of the Wario uh, games that have been released in the last decades? Wait a second. Isn't that how Mario Kart... Is Mario Kart the kart racing descendant of Atmosphere? In a way, it is. It's like, stop! You're in first, so get hit by a blue shell! <laughs> I haven't had a laugh in ages! I meant the WarioWare games. Is it, aren't, like, all WarioWare games just about Wario nagging you? Well, not really. I mean, that there's a lot of, like... Well, no, you're wrong, Tulpa. <laughs> I feel nagged by WarioWare's existence. I feel nagged by Sekiro, so fuck off. <laughs> if there were a Mario Party VHS board game, though, the Crypt Keeper... I mean, Gatekeeper, I think, would be played by Wario. Yes, that is very oh, true. Oh, yes, definitely. How how did we not met the Crypt Keeper, Gatekeeper? Oh my god. Uh. <laughs> I'm the Gate Crypt. I don't Oh my identity. Just imagine a Nintendo first party game where you had to like stop playing the game and switch inputs to your VCR in order to like know what you're supposed to do next. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay, so this is Kind of off-topic, but there were Nintendo games that worked like that. A bunch of Satellaview games would modify the game based on what was being broadcast as you played it with audio commentary that changed the game. That was actually totally a thing on the old Nintendo Satellaview games. Whoa, you're right. That is basically the same thing as Atmosphere. Wow, I would never have made that connection. That's awesome. I don't think Damn, any of that, that is, is real. Why are you? Why are you doing a prank? <laughs> Yeah, that's true. They Why call it BS Zelda me? for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Alright, on that note, I think that's it for this podcast. We've, I think we've done the <laughs> deepest dive that anybody's ever done on Stop! this game. <laughs> no, never never mind. Hands up! I'm sorry. Who's Hands next, up? maggot? <laughs> you! Sign off the podcast! All right, I'll to do the it. Black hole. Oh no, not my event horizon. Um, <laughs> hey everybody, where could people find you if they want more of you? Uh, I'm Cassie Mune again, and uh, you can find me. Um, I'm running a support group for uh, Atmosphere on Fact Life. <laughs> you know, for people who, you know, experience the game. So you can find me there or on Twitter at. Midnight Bliss with an underscore at the end. I am Tulpa, and you can find me uh, running a support group for people who need to uh, be told what to do in a fantasy environment, and it's called Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> uh, I am the GM of a pod called No Rangers Allowed, featuring the very good Shrug as a dwarf. I'm Automatic Tiger, and like mo- like many trans girls, I'm currently obsessed with Sega, and I have another podcast which airs on the same podcast feed called uh, The Book of Mega Drive, which will hopefully have its second episode, which will strangely enough be called the first episode, coming out very soon, maybe even before this is released. Uh, 
Hope, hope you like that in the feed. If you want to find out what I'm doing personally, you can find me at Automatic Tiger on Twitter. And uh, if you want to find out more about the podcast, you can find you can look up Book of Mega Drive on Twitter as well. Uh, I hope to see you on the internet. Please don't be an undead dude who negs me. I'm not really into that, to be honest. I'm one second before, and I'm also called that on the select button forums. But you can also find a documentary that I made that is now released at last, uh, streaming online. It's called Sarasota Half in Dream. You can watch it at sarasotamovie.com, and you should watch it. It's only 69 minutes long. Literally, that was an accident, but it happened, and I'm not going to apologize. Nice. 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 Nice, nice, nice. Nice, nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I'm Shrug. I'm at Shrugopolis. I'm on Twitter. I'm Shrug on the forums. Uh, I am a dwarf on No Rangers Allowed, where I do my best to be a nuisance to the lovely Tulpa. Uh... I might have more than one hastily written tabletop game up at shrug.h.io sometime soon. I wouldn't hold my breath. Uh, you can also find me in bed being sick again. You know how it is. Dreaming of the gatekeeper and the cryptkeeper finally in the romantic embrace <laughs> that we all long for them to have i mean the gatekeeper the gatekeeper just really wants to bone that's that's it yeah the gatekeeper is is horned um i've been vasylcania you can find me on twitter at vasylcania if that confuses you look at castlevania Switch the C and the V. I'm also on the select button forums as Vasylcania. It's no surprise. I just use the same name everywhere I go. Um, here's the part where I tell you what you can do to help us. If you like this podcast, spread the word. Tell the miserable maggots trying to defeat you. Tell your friendly neighborhood soul ranger or just tweet about us, you know, whatever. Uh, the only way people find out about us is th through word of mouth. Rating and reviewing on iTunes is also really cool. I love those. Uh, and maybe one day we'll be the top podcast on iTunes and we can finally find our vengeance against the McElroys. We have a website. You can find it at snes.zone, S-N-E-S.zone. I'm going to kill you, Griffin. Don't kill Griffin. It has links. Griffin. Thank you. Don't kill anyone, Shrug. It has links to our Twitter feed which is where you can vote for games if I ever put up the fucking polls. Uh, there's also short bios for everybody who's ever been on the podcast, social media links, you know, you, you can find some stuff. It's, it's mobile-friendly-ish. If you want us to read anything out on the podcast or if you just want to talk to us, if you, you want some human contact with humans, email us at snes at snes.zone, S-N-E-S at S-N-E-S.zone. You could tell us what you think of the podcast. You could give us a review for a game we're going to play or just generally berate us. And finally... We've got a Patreon page. The podcast is always going to be free, but your support helps us, me, pay for server costs, new equipment, eventually just paying people. You know, that'd be nice. Uh, we've got tiers for as low as a dollar, and you can pledge for things like joining our private Discord. 
which we have, it's very active. We have a lot of fun here. And, uh, you know, if you're a nerd like us, you're going to love it here. Uh, you can also dictate games for us to play. You can start the podcast yourself. Wow. You could pay us just to be on the podcast. That's capitalism, motherfucker. At any tier, I will send you exclusive clips of the things I cut out of the podcast. I actually did that last time. Uh, it was just too weird for the live feed. Uh, I'll let you know when the, the podcast comes out as well. So that's patreon.com forward slash snexploration or just go to bankaccount.zone. It's really easy to go to bankaccount.zone. As always, for more inane video game discussion, jump into the selectbutton.net forums. We're all there. The next podcast is going to come out sometime. Whatever. I haven't even put up the poll. I don't, I don't know. It's hard. Anyway, <laughs> and if you listen to the last episode, you'll know what the next three episodes games are. And if you haven't listened to the last episode, go do that now. I'm not going to tell you again. Jesus. Until next time, it's not Monopoly, the Super Nintendo game. <laughs> it's it's not, not it's not Predicaments, the VCR board game. <laughs> It's not seen it. It's not commercials. Cra- commercial crazy is the VHS board game. Oh, it's fuck. not. I have no mouth and I must scream. It feels like get, it sometimes. You get nicked by a computer. <laughs> it's it's not the Nightmare Pepsi Challenge. <laughs> it's not the British game show Nightmare. It's not Night News. <laughs> it's not my personal nightmares. Those are much scarier. It's not night court. Da, 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 da. Da, da, da. It's not a nightcore remix of Night Court's theme song. <laughs> and as always, it's not Chuck Rock, the VHS board game. As always, thank you to Schnabubula for letting us use his incredible song playing Super Mario World while taking mushrooms for our theme song. Also, thanks to Bachelor for the amazing cover art that we have. Check him out at BachelorSoft on Twitter. And thanks to you for listening. Coming for you, Griffin. <laughs> I'm not coming. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to come for Griffin. Not yet. You only do that a gatekeeper? Mm-hmm. Only if the gatekeeper and the crypt, crypt keeper finally kiss, then I will, I will, I will come for them. That was very explicit, and I'm here for it. (laughs) Man, if we ask nicely, I bet we could have gotten the gatekeeper actor to be on this show. Oh, fuck. (laughs) I'm going to ask and see if we can get a special episode to an interview. I'm just sad we didn't, like, directly ask any of the Australian members of the forum if they remembered anything about this. Yeah, they're going to have to.
Yeah, we gotta bring that in. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go eat some teriyaki chicken. But that was a great emergency session of Snexploration. Thank you for the uh, suggestion, OSB. I thought it, you said it, and I'm glad you said it because it wouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we did. I think that was a good episode. That was fun. Yeah. Oh, John Larroquette is a registered member of the Libertarian Party. God damn it. Oh, no. I bet you the gatekeeper actor is a libertarian. Taxation is theft, maggots. (laughs) (laughs) All laws derived from property rights, maggots. You're violating the nap. How dare you have require me to wear a seatbelt? I control my own life and take risk into my own hands. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps, worm. <laughs> Stop! Who's got their bootstraps in hand? <laughs> Start pulling, maggot! <laughs> bootstraps up! Stop. <laughs> Stop! Is that currency you're using backed by gold? Otherwise, <laughs> it's just paper, maggot! <laughs> oh, shit! <laughs> I'm dead!